game. Blouses. Gallon Chuck. Disaster. Afrogetti. Disaster. Well, I mean, I'm no doctor. We now join America's most popular show already in progress. Everybody loves Mitch and Sean. You guys are the greatest duo. Fantastic. That team sure did suck last night. They just played sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition. We're finally back here on the Post Game Points podcast. My name's Mitch Gallo with Sean Campbell. How you doing, Campbell? Oh, I'm great. Uh, man, I needed at least a month off after that crazy run by the Canadians in the Stanley Cup final. But, Mitch, I'm ready to go here for pretty much season 2.0 of uh, the Post Game Pints podcast. And, man, we got a lot to catch up on yeah coming up on the podcast we'll talk about the offer sheet from Jesperi Kakanyemi and the Carolina Hurricanes and some of the additions for the Montreal Canadiens this offseason how will Mike Hoffman filled in can David Savard replace Shea Weber and what about a couple local boys coming home with Matthew Perot and Cedric Paquette so here's what we're going to do Campbell we've been doing the five game five minute post game podcast five minutes five minutes five minutes so on this one since we've been gone for like five minutes we will do four different five minute podcasts how does that sound that makes sense four five minute podcasts we got 20 minutes of canadians content for you starting yeah right got your timer yeah let's do it starting right now and let's all right let's begin with the with the biggest one sean yeah uh, yes barry cock and yemi gets an offer sheet from carolina one year 6.1 million at the time canadians haven't said anything if they're going to match it or not match it uh this is i mean this is so weird because you could flash back just a couple of years ago three years ago when the canadians uh made the offer sheet to sebastian aho and this is a revenge offer sheet that contract made sense like, it just made sense to the player and the term. This contract doesn't make sense to the player. And here's the thing. The Canadians matched, not matched, $6.1 million. Yes, Barry Kakiyama is getting paid that next year. It's pretty weird how this has played out. Your first thought, Mitch, your first thought when you heard, uh, yes, Barry, before we get into if you would take it or not, your first thought when you heard that Carolina did this. Well, I think you know what my first thought was. It was to search uh, my tweeting history and find uh, the tweet from earlier in August when I said that I thought the Carolina Hurricanes should revenge offer seat Jesperi Kokanyemi and play Kokanyemi with uh, Svechnikov, who uh, had signed the, that eight-year deal with the Carolina Hurricanes. So my first thought was, I told you so, S- simply, simply put. And 
I had to, when I read the news on Saturday, I had to double check, triple check, and then check once more to make sure that what I was reading was actually factual. Yeah. I, I was, I was like, wow, is, did this really just happen? So I had to make sure that it was a legit story and it was actually the Carolina Hurricanes Twitter account releasing this news. But after that, I started weighing the options in my mind. Would I or wouldn't I match the offer sheet if I'm the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah, and the uh, first thing I thought of was your tweet. Okay, I did think of that. And then the second thing I thought of, uh, you know, after doing all those things you just said uh, was this is a stupid offer sheet. Uh, because I don't, you know, I, I, I think that there's progress there for yes, Barry Cockney, but you know, at $6.1 million, not only does that put the Canadians in the bind, it could put Carolina in a bind just with that money. And then the qualifying offer that uh, follows suit after. So uh, first things first, Mitch, I'm going to ask you, would you match? We're halfway through this first five minute uh, post game pints podcast. Look, I've been wrestling this and this mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if we're to have a portion of this video or audio that I want out there, it's what I'm about to say. I think, and I don't know what the Canadians are going to do, and I think there's an argument to be made on both sides, but I think the Canadians absolutely have to match this offer. Number one, you can't let yourself be bullied, and you can't let a team come in and poach one of your players. But the biggest thing to me, is imagine, Sean, that I told you the Canadians traded Jesperi Kakanyemi and in return, they got the 20th pick in next year's draft and a third-round pick in next year's draft. You would say, why would the Canadians do that? So I know the salary ramifications, and it's tough with the 6.1 against the Canadians, but this is not fair compensation for this player and the potential, and what he can reach as a player in this league. So you have to match it. A a first pick and a third pick, it's not enough in return. It's simply not enough in return. Yeah, look, uh, my first instinct was I think the Canadians, there's like an 80% 80 chance that they're going to match this. I think that there's a little bit of hesitation because of the economic ramifications on it. But if I were in charge of the Canadians, Mitch, no doubt, I would have, already matched it i would have already sent out the press release very much like with sebastian aho and just said yeah 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 we're matching i don't know what they were thinking he's we're not losing him one you're going to be investing into a guy that you're invested this is this is a big pick for mark bergevin and they know they they know they reached they were aware when they drafted him that they reached at the pick at number three i get it and you can compare smetchnikov to Brady Kachuk. But the other thing is the Canadians have already been looking for a center. There aren't centers for them on the market. So now you're going to lose another one and not get a center in return. This, this is not a good situation. I'm sorry. The Canadians need a center Iceman. The opportunity is there. I know everybody says he doesn't get opportunities. The opportunity next year for yes, Barry Kakiemi to play with elite wingers is there. And, and that, that jump, maybe not to a $6.1 million player, which I understand that I, I get it but then at least you can do it on your own terms. If you're going to get rid of the player or move the player, and I know that you can't move them for a year, but you're going to be able to do it on your own terms, not on Carolina's terms. So I would match. I would have matched already. Maybe they have by the time you're watching this, but to me, I get it. And I get this. And and Mitch, like you said, I get the other side and I get the story of why you don't, 
but I am not giving up on a 21 year old player that I know could play in the NHL. I am not doing that money aside. I, you know, I care very little bit about money. Sorry. That was, that was it. Do you want to do a quick wrap? Do you have anything quick on that? What are we with the time here? Are we good or what? We're, we're past the five minutes. So it's a five minute box. Move on. All right. Let's go. All right. So let's move on. Clock's done. Let's put another five minutes up on the board here on Post Game Pints Podcast. Campbell and Gallo. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Mitch Y. Gallo, Sean R. Campbell. Post Game Pints on Twitter. Uh, trust me, we got a whole lot coming for you, social media-wise and video-wise and podcast-wise. You don't want to miss it. But how about this, Mitch? Took them a while. They kind of were uh, dipping their toes in the Mike Hoffman sweepstakes last offseason. They did it this time. They signed Mike Hoffman. He's a Montreal Canadian. How does he fit with this group? This is perfect. It's a perfect match for player and for team because for the longest time, you know, I've covered the Canadians for years now, as you have. Yeah. And all we used to talk about is how they have to play super defensively, lock it down, rely on carry price, and try to win games 2-1 to and 3-2. to they did not have natural goal scoring for the longest time. And you had maybe one guy who was a really good goal scorer. You know, it was Max Pacioretty, and then Pacioretty was traded. And then you had uh, a guy like uh, Thomas Tatar who can score 25 to 30. But they were missing that one-shot guy who can score. Now I look at the Canadians, and I don't think goal scoring is an issue. And it's because of Mike Hoffman. I look at the team and look, I'm not going to say all these players are going to score 30, but I'll circle players that I think can score 30. Gallagher, he's done it. Toffoli, he's done it. Hoffman, he's done it. Anderson, he's been four goals away from that mark in his career on his best season. And Caulfield, I think sky's the limit for Caulfield. Full NHL season first line power play and that shot that he has plus your boy Nick Suzuki seems to be a pretty good playmaker not only that Sean but Hoffman and Caulfield shoot opposite ways you can have one on the right one on the left shooting on their off wings power play heaven for the Canadians so love the move of bringing in Hoffman now goal scoring will never be a question mark yeah, well, it'll be a question when they're, you know, only scoring one or two and they can't find chemistry on their lines because none of them have a center iceman to play with. But <laughs> yeah. let's back up that train because training camp's a long time and I want to concentrate on Hoffman, the player. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I like it and it's for the goal scoring. And to me, the first thing I think, power play, power play. You mentioned it at the end there. He's on one side, you have Caulfield on the other. Now, here's the thing. You can design a power play where it's like Tampa Bay, right? You have the Stamkos or Kucherov on one or the other that you have to deal with. Or you could have power play one and power play two, where one power play goes through Hoffman's shot and the other power play goes through Caulfield's shot. Uh, I'm not in charge of the power play. I don't know what they want to do with the power play, but I think that's where I'm thinking because you're going to be losing a power play weapon in Shea Weber. And I know that he just kind of turned into a shot, not a setup guy on the power play. He's done. Now you have to try and figure out other options and having them on the same unit. It makes me think who it's going to be where, 
Who's the net front presence? There's no more Corey Perry. He's gone. In my mind, uh, my power play would have been Caulfield, Hoffman, uh, Perry, Suzuki, and Petrie. But now that all changes. But you got to fit Foley in there somewhere. So Hoffman's there, and he's on that power play. And the Canadians kind of have always, you know, just not been in that top 10. And I think this is this has created a top 10 opportunity for them on the power play. Yes, it's a shot. They don't need the defensive uh, ability. They have enough defensive wingers on this team. They picked up Barreau. They picked up Bucket. They they have Lekkinen. They have Armia. They have enough guys that know how to play defense. Goals, 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 goals. He's not a 50-goal scorer. He's not a 40-goal scorer, but he can score 30. Let's go. Yeah, so that's kind of what I'm I, I'm thinking with Hoffman. And, and then the other thing is, though, if you don't play with Suzuki, can he get enough goals, though? If there's no yes, very cocky. I mean, I know that ties in to our last five minute podcast. He's got to find chemistry with a playmaking center iceman. Is it just going to be on the power play? Is he going to get 20 power play goals in five, five on five? That might be the one question I have. Uh, that's fine. But, you know, we have a lot, I think, to uh, determine between now, training camp, opening night. You simply don't know. Uh, what's going to happen. And Mark Bergman hasn't been shy to make a move right before training camp. Mm -hmm. So yes, the roster looks a certain way right now. Doesn't mean opening night, we are going to see the same players. So, you know, I have to wait on the Kakanyemi situation. Not going to, I'm not saying they're going to get Jack Eichel, but that's a situation. And there's other players around the league that might move around as well. So I just think let's wait for dominoes to fall before we get, too wrapped up with who's going to be playing with who. Simply put, Hoffman knows how to shoot the puck and score, and the Canadians need that. I heard uh, Malkin's available. Is he? I don't know. I'm just, just throwing it out there. If you want an offensive center iceman, I think he might be the guy. You have to figure that one out. All right, uh, let's get into our third. That's five minutes off the board. Let's put another five minutes on the board here on the Post Game Pints podcast. Mitch, what do you got for me? All right, let's uh, start the uh, third five-minute post-game points podcast with David Savard. That's the other guy that the Canadians brought in during the offseason. We haven't been able to speak about this, but what do you think he brings to the table? And as a whole, how do the Canadians replace Shea Weber? Yeah, if you think David Savard is going to replace Shea Weber, take a step back. If you think David Savard can replace some of the things – Shea Weber did, you're in the right spot. I think that's the way you have to think about it. Uh, David Savard, I have been a fan of his for a long time. Really liked him in Columbus. I know you wanted them to get him at the deadline. Yes, he was a guy that I targeted for the Canadians. And I know that I get that Tampa Bay paid the first round pick to go get him. That's okay. Tampa Bay did that. The Canadians weren't prepared to do that. But I kept telling you, I like David Savard. I think he's a guy that would fit well with the Canadians organization. And then I saw him in Tampa Bay. He was a third pairing defenseman, but look at the top four that they had. He is a top four defenseman on most teams on a Stanley cup winning team. He was pushed down to a third uh, pairing and that's fine with the players that they had above them, the McDonough's, the Hedman's, the Sergachev, uh, the Chernak's who were absolutely phenomenal. He played his role and he played it to a T now, he's going to be in a top four role because there's no Shea Weber. You got Petrie, you got Edmondson and Chirot. He is very similar to what you get in Edmondson and Chirot. But here's the thing, how effective the Canadians have been 
And one of their effectiveness in the playoffs is the fact, yes, Shea Weber played outstanding in those playoffs, but they also had Edmondson and Sherratt that were on top of their game. And I think it's a mold that works well for the team. He's going to fill a part of that for Shea Weber. I don't know if he's going to be able to be the elite penalty killer that Shea Weber is. That is a big void that I'm curious about with the Habs. Who's going to be the elite penalty killer? But I think five on five, he's a good net front presence. And he actually might have a little bit more offense that could surprise you because uh, he's got a pretty big shot. Not a Shea Weber shot, and I'm not asking him to replace there. But I really like uh, David Savard, 20, 21 minutes a night. I have zero problem with it. I have zero problem with it. And I think when, when I look back at the days leading into free agency, a lot of Canadian fans felt like the Canadians were going to sign David Savard and that they weren't going to like the contract. Mm -hmm. I think the contract is fair for what David Savard can provide. And I think he's a good player that can help. Now that I've said all that, I am concerned. I am greatly concerned about the Montreal Canadiens defense. And I say that because you're right about the way the guys played in the playoffs, but the way those guys played in the playoffs, you can't play that way in the regular season. It simply doesn't work. I look at their blue line. I don't see enough skating. I don't see enough puck moving ability. And I don't see a number one clear cut defenseman. Can Jeff Petrie do that? Yes, but over 82, I'm not quite sure. So they're going to have to do it by committee. But when you do it by committee, I think there's going to be somebody every night that is playing in a position that they're not comfortable in. They're going to be in the wrong chair. And I feel the Canadians losing Shea Weber really has a trickle-down effect for everybody. So that's what I'm worried about the rate. Now, if they get to the playoffs and they can clutch and grab and hold and cross-check and do all the things that they did in the playoffs, then they'll be fine. But when I look at the blue line and I see Petrie, Sherratt, Edmondson, uh, Romanov, Savard, and Kulak, I don't, I don't think that's good enough when I compare it to some of the teams that they're going to be competing with in their division. Yeah, well, we know that their blue line was an asset and it was one of the better, deepest blue lines when they were playing within the Canadian division. When you compare it to the other Canadian teams, I think that it changes when you get into their old division. So I'm with you on that. Uh, I, I do think losing Shea Weber is a big, big hit. It's just the ability of a player that can that play 25 minutes. I know Sherrod has shown that he can play that much. I wouldn't want it to happen too often. I think Sherrod can, but he's not a number one. Ben, uh, Jeff Petrie can. Jeff Petrie, to me, I have less doubts about being a number one than you do. I, I, I definitely think he can push the envelope. I like what Think about a Jeff Petrie that could actually provide a little bit of offense that could shoot and that can bro- move the puck and he doesn't have 12 broken fingers and bloodshot eyes because of the pain that went to his fingers when they had to reset them. It's kind of crazy the injury that he went through in those playoffs. Jeff Petrie, to me, I feel pretty confident in being the Canadians' number one defenseman because I think you can get 45 to 50 points from him. It's going to be on the power play and you're going to get a uh, penalty kill and 23 to 24 minutes a night. The big thing here, and all those questions that you have on the blue line, can they be in here? 
I think Alexander Romanov is part of this team. And I know people were upset with what happened in the playoffs. He's going to start as a third pairing defenseman. But to me, he has to finish as a top four. And if it's Edmondson who drops or Savard that drops, or I don't care who drops into the bottom pairing, that's good news. If Savard's on third pairing, he just won a Stanley Cup on a third pairing. If Joel Edmondson's on a third pairing, he's a Stanley Cup guy that won. He was a third pairing guy on the Stanley Cup team. These are good things. So if Romanov can jump into the top four, that just makes everything better. So to me, the key to keep gluing the Canadians defense core together is Alexander Romanov not playing third line minutes by the end of the season being 18 to 19 to 20 minutes a night. All right. Where are we at with the timer? All right. That's it. We got to move on to another one. Just like that. Just like that. Ready? All right. Ready? Final one. Final five minute post game show from post game pints. It's the fourth one. We're just doing them rapid fire a little bit differently. Of course, uh, Mitch, we've got lots to cut, get to on, uh, um, post game pints this year we've got so many topics uh, you're gonna we're gonna be all over the place but trust me check it all out at post game pints uh and mitch y gallo and sean r campbell and uh let's get into the third one they have a couple forwards that they added up front new guys let's kind of clump them in together cedric pocket and matthew perot what do you think about these two additions to the montreal canadians you know, I, I like uh, I like these additions uh, for the Canadians. First of all, we know that uh, bringing in local talent is important to a large portion of this mm. fan base. And we know the criticisms last year when uh, the Canadians didn't have any francophone players in the lineup, and it was due to circumstance. I mean, there was uh, multiple yeah. on the roster, but still they were criticized for not having any. They lose Philip Dano. So one down, but you bring in three with Savard, who we already spoke about, but also Paquette and Perot. So that checks off one box. Bring in those guys. It's important, but I'll look at the hockey aspect as well. I think Paquette is a fourth-line player at best, and he's bounced around a little bit, but he was part of that group in Tampa Bay, so he knows uh, what those guys are all about. So you're bringing in somebody who's had uh, experience playing on a team uh, that has been able to win. And I think he's the ultimate shit disturber for your fourth line. I think it's, 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 it's a nice addition. Now, again, it's about using these guys correctly and, and putting them in situations where they can succeed. So I like Paquette in that fourth line role. Can he play higher in the lineup? No, he's playing higher in the lineup. The Canadians are injured. And if he's playing higher in the lineup, probably you're not going to have success. Fourth line, trying to cause problems for the opposition, like it. Uh, Matthew Perot, I'm much higher on him. I'm a fan of this player. Always appreciated him. And he is somebody that I think can play a little bit higher up in the lineup if you need, need him to. Uh, I think he is a guy that maybe got overshadowed in Winnipeg because of some, the, some of the great players on that team. But he's smart. Uh, he also plays with a bit of an edge. He's pretty darn quick. I wouldn't put him at center, but he can play center if, uh, if if you need somebody to fill in, kind of like a Paul Byron guy type guy where he can play in the middle. But I like him a lot as a player. I think he is going to help. I Perfect. He, he, he is somebody that I would have also targeted if I was Mark Bergman. So that, that's how I sum up those two guys 
Paquette, fourth liner, shit disturber, way to go. But Perot is actually the guy who might uh, surprise some fans if he really finds his game in Montreal. All right. I honestly, I'm going to be honest, Mitch. I really can't add much because I see the players the exact same. I, I, Paquette, I don't like, he can't play anything but fourth line. And I think everybody has him as a fourth line center. I think ideally the Canadians would like Evans to be that fourth line center. But the sure. problem is everything might be bumped up because of the cock and yummy situation. Okay, so how about this? How about this? If, if you don't have much to add to what I said about Paquette and Perot, you're on the same page with both guys. Fine. Yeah, like I, I everything fine, you fine, say, fine. he's a fail safe at center, everything. Yeah. Okay. So where are we at with Ryan Paling? who signed a two-year deal. The first year is a two-way contract, but the second year is a one-way contract, basically guaranteeing him an NHL salary. Can Paling be in the mix here, and how soon? Uh, I think right now. Let me just say this is what I think the Canadians would love. They would love. That let's, they, 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 they have Kakanyemi, and let's play in a world that Kakanyemi is there. This is what I think that they would have loved to have happen at training camp, and they go, wow, we have to do this. Suzuki, number one. Cock and Yemi, number two. Number three is Ryan Paling, and number four is Evans. But that is all on Ryan Paling. And can Ryan Paling go from the number one Laval Rocket center iceman, leapfrog into a third-line role with the Canadians? I do think Ryan Paling might have a little bit more offense than Jake Evans. However... Jake Evans is a guy that knows how to produce when he's with offensive players. I think he's most effective in the NHL as a fourth line penalty killer. You need him on a face-off. You could do that. I get all that. And maybe there'll be a couple of years of toiling between the two who's third, who's fourth, who's playing well, who's not playing well. And that is the ideal situation. I don't think that's happening. I think Ryan Paling really has to work hard for that. I think, you know, in the ideal cock and yummy thing with nothing happening, it's Suzuki, Kakanyemi, Evans, and then Paquette. But I think you can easily put him to the wing. Evans in the fourth line role where you want him. And if Ryan Paling shows that he can produce the offense, the penalty kill, the speed, the aggressiveness, the shot, he can play a third line role 12 minutes a night. That's all you need is a third line guy. He's going to be playing with talented guys. It's going to be Dwayne. You know, we don't know what these lines are going to look like. He's going to be with very good players in that third line role. So I think that there's a possibility. I have him in play with the Canadians, and I just gave you he's in play with Kakanyemi. So if Kakanyemi signs with Carolina and he stays there and the Canadians don't match, I think he's really in play with the Canadians. That's how much he impressed me last year, but it's up to him. The training training camp this year, everyone's going to want to talk to new guys. Guys, blah, blah, blah. To me, Ryan Paling, Ryan Paling, Ryan Paling. That's who I'm watching. I think that he could he could solve so many of Montreal Canadiens' problems if he's NHL ready. Right, well, I heard the buzzer, so that means we're up. I like how you finished it. Ryan Paling, Ryan Paling, Ryan Paling. Uh, Sean, uh, very quickly here to uh, conclude, by the way, thank you to anybody who took the time to listen to the Post Game Pints podcast. We have mm-hmm. a lot of content coming out. Please Click, listen, subscribe, support us because we love putting out the content and we want to get it out there to as many people as possible. So even give us a rating, give us a thumbs up or send us a note. Tell us what you didn't like and where we can improve. What are some of the things we have to look forward to in the next couple months? Well, look, 
because of the uh, pandemic, we, we started this podcast over a year ago, Mitch. Um, and I know that we wanted to have at the end of last summer, a launch party for the podcast and then a launch party for our partnership with LaBras Brewery. And I know that even on social media, we posted in because of weather and it was an outdoor event because we're still in restrictions somewhere, uh, some places uh, that we wanted to do the launch party. But we have another date. We are looking forward to it. And we are looking forward to having uh, the podcast year plus launch party combined with the launch party, Mitch. What, what do you have over there? I got the Angry Galloway Ale. I have the Campbell play-by-play. What happens when you put these two beers together? Probably magic. Magic. It's coming soon <laughs> to LeBras Brewery. That's what I'm telling you, Mitch. That's it. What else do you want me to tell you? I don't know. I'm good to, uh, to go watch sports now. Sports, 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 sports. Again, bye, everybody, and thanks for listening.